Folks, FSU had a very down couple of days on the recruiting trail after the highs that we talked about last week. But I think that there are brighter days on the horizon with some news that could break this week. Drake, roll the video. Let's get the people to it. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (sighs) Folks, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max. That's your host, Drake. We are talking about the Florida State Seminoles as we have for the past couple years, five days a week, three days a week during the offseason. So currently it's three days, but dude, so much news has been popping. I don't know if it feels like an offseason. Yeah, we've been a, a little more busier in these months, and that's kind of, I mean, we're only, what, 50 days away from kickoff against Duquesne, so that's kind of rightfully so, but it kind of sucks that the moment we take one step forward, we're taking several steps back when it comes to basically the life of the football, which actually is recruiting. Yeah, that's right. And and look, we are in a situation right now where everything is blown out of proportion on the recruiting trail because it sort of has to be. This team doesn't have the roster to compete at the levels it wants to compete at. I'm not supposed to end a sentence with that. The levels at which it wants to compete. And because of that, I think even the more casual Florida State fans among you all, which, you know, we know you're all super hardcore fans if, if you're here uh, in the offseason watching Florida State shows. But um, I think I think recruiting just has is under a microscope right now. And you look at last week, right? We... We saw Miami pick up a five-star offensive lineman, but then we responded by getting a four-star linebacker. And it's like, okay, we're rolling. And then I think it was, what, today, um, uh, Desmond Ricks, who is the number two overall player, I believe, in the 2024 class. So he's a rising junior. Yeah, Mm -hmm. rising junior. He announced his top 10. Florida State wasn't even in it. And, okay, no harm, no foul whatever, except for the fact that as recently as April, he was expected to commit to Florida State. And then it goes even further. So Desmond Ricks, number two overall player in next year's class, releases his top 10. We're not in it. And then a quote comes out, like a graphic quote from uh, On3 uh, national recruiting person. Um, On3 Hayes Fawcett. Yeah, Hayes Fawcett, that's his name. And it's a graphic of this kid, and it just says, essentially, Florida State hadn't talked to him in months, and it seems like we gave up or something. I don't know if that's true, because I don't know the kid. Um, I've heard some people say slightly differently. Um, I know that some other people on the beat have said on Twitter that they've heard differently. Uh, I know some people that have said they've heard the same, that, that it is true. Regardless, I think we need to zoom out a bit and not, this is what I'll say, Drake. I think we need to realize that the recruiting does need to get better. And there are coaches on this staff that need to do a better job that probably should have been shown the door already and weren't. But I also think that we, as a fan base, need to understand the context and that this is a 
2024 kit. A lot can happen between now and then. Doesn't mean we're going to get him, but we could end up landing an even better player in that class, right? If we go out and have an amazing season this season, things change. So let's not get too caught up on what Desmond Ricks is or is not doing. Um, But let's kind of examine the coaching staff and their recruiting as a whole, because frankly, Drake, I think one kid decommitting from 2024 isn't the big deal. It's, well not, de- well, not decommitting, just not putting us in his top 10. Right, not even putting us in his top 10 when we were kind of told he yeah. was, you know. Uh, like, to me, it feels like a decommit, right? Because I kind of penciled him in as, like, he was going to be in Tribe 24. Not an ink, but, like, that was, you know. Oh, see, like, that's – I was – I know a lot of people thought he, think he was going to come in April, and there was a lot of evidence to possibly put that down there. I was of the camp that that kid, my, my personal opinion, was going to be ending up at a school like Alabama, who was one of the schools actually who is in his top 10 as of, as of right now. I think more what the fan base is worried about is not typically, you know, basically saying, you know, we didn't get this kid in the top 10. It's not only the fact that basically he's saying that we stopped recruiting him when he is a kid that we had a lot of heat for, a lot of momentum for back in April. I think it's also because you're looking at several kids commenting on that graphic posted by Hayes Fawcett, whether it be a uh, a K.J. Bolden, another five-star athlete. You have several defensive backs. I think you see Sharif Denson, too, the kid that recently committed to the University of Florida. All these players that are saying that the same thing happened to me, too, as well. Now, are they all, you know, basically, is that, did we all stop communicating as a staff with these kids? Frankly, I don't know. I've asked, you know, several people. I'm hearing one thing. I'm hearing another. So it's kind of like at the point, like you're saying, there is something wrong with recruiting at this point, and I think it's a lot more worrisome that we can't exactly pinpoint what the problem is. Yeah, I look, I think it's systemic, and I think that we're seeing it at DBs now. We've seen it at wide receivers, although um, keep a weathered eye on the horizon with receivers. Uh, I'll leave it at that for now. And we're seeing it at linebacker. So everywhere but defensive line and offensive line, we're not looking great. And we're even seeing it with quarterback. Cause I, again, I don't want to diminish getting AJ Duffy, but you now went from one sure thing in this class to three maybes. And we'll I think see. two now, I think two now actually. Yeah. So we could have, I think he's staying with Purdue. Yeah. So we could be at a spot where we have no quarterback again. And, and I just, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand how you can have two people recruiting well and the rest of the staff not. Now, Drake, you know this. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for being here. What I do for a living is I'm a restructuring consultant. I specialize in executive office and executive management team restructuring. So this isn't that much different than what I do on every single day at companies. Is You kind of start to look at, okay, what is going on across the different business units. And if we look at every position group as a business unit and we see some drastically underperforming others, well, that's a simple fix. Number one, you standardize. So they should be standardizing recruiting procedures. So for instance, I talked to one person, they're like, oh, well, you know, Atkins is really good at having his list where he's got, you know, his first target, his second target, his third, you know, uh, Randy Shannon kind of does does it a little differently. I'm like, why? No, no, no. Randy Shannon hasn't hasn't landed any big recruits except for Tatum Bethune, and he's a transfer. Randy Shannon and Marcus Woodson, and especially our wide receivers coach Ron Dugans, should not be allowed to do it their own way because their own way is not f- working. 
And Chris Thompson. Don't forget Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson. So, number one, you standardize. You figure out what is working. Let's create standard procedures. That doesn't mean everyone has to use the same script, but you should have a standard workflow, a standard way of doing things modeled after the people who are actually doing their job correctly. Number two, you disseminate that information. Okay? Standardize one. Number two, disseminate. That doesn't mean send them an email. That means you need to explain to them, look, here are your failures on the recruiting trail. Here's how we think we can do it better. And I know this is going to sound micromanaging, and maybe that's what Mike Norvell needs to do at this point. And make them do it a different way because the way they're doing it, back to my earlier comment, I only get one F-bomb. It isn't working. Number three. Technically, you don't get any F-bombs anymore. We discussed that. That's fair. But that one was warranted. Sorry if you're listening with kids in the car, but they need to understand the passion. Number three. I bleeped it out, folks. It's okay. Implement and cross-train. I'm dead serious. I know that they'll, you know, coaches have big egos. But I would have Alex Atkins sitting there and John Papuchas sitting there with these other coaches while they're talking to recruits. Just like comics do, right? Taking notes on your set. Immediate feedback. Hey, here's what I think you should do differently. Hey, here's what I'm noticing. Here's what might be. Because the definition of insanity, I don't know if that's actually true, is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Ron Dugans can't recruit right now. Randy Shannon can't recruit right now. Marcus Woodson is really good at getting big name recruits on the board, really bad at getting them to sign national letters of intent, apparently, except he did get Sam McCall and Azaria Thomas, Thomas and Amara and Kevin Knowles. That's a guy who's got four right there. And two of them are starting this year. Yeah. Okay. But Knowles, to me, Knowles and Cooper worked out great, but they weren't like, I don't think you had to do that much to land those guys. Like they, they were, oh, they've we, played we had, above their a, rating level. We had to beat out Michigan to grab Mario Cooper. I remember that. Did recruitment. We? Yeah, we did. Well, he's not doing so hot right now because we're not even making the top different. 10 of DPs. So <laughs> that's different. That's different. Maybe then, you have him get in there too. But yeah. And again, Travis Hunter. I mean, look, I understand that Travis Hunter, there was this, there was that, there was the NIL thing. But like, I, the point is you lost. There's always an excuse, but. You still lost out on the biggest recruit of your career uh, to come to your school that would have been, at least from a momentum standpoint, a huge mm -hmm. game changer. So that's kind of my piece on the systemic recruiting issue. I don't know why Norvell isn't stepping in and saying, we need to fix this and we need to, we need to do what works instead of what it looks like he's doing, just letting everyone do their own thing and then wondering why it's not working. I, I mean... I don't think it's the process that's actually the problem. Like, you know, where you're saying, like, you have a tier list or everything like that, which it could be a little bit of that. I think it's primarily that it seems to me that the options that a lot of these, you know, coaches are going for, just typically it's very small in amounts, right? We hear all the time, like, we're basically out for two linebackers right now. I think DeMarco Ward was the first kid we got committed. And then we're right now in the top three, four, I think Blake Nicholson, which is the California kid. But then you hear the Harris twins were kids that, you know, were interested we didn't get that two years ago, Jaden Hood, who went over to Michigan, who was a kid that myself and Dave actually were really super high on. It seems to me overall, it's that these kids, these coaches are not going after who they believe actually is probably, you know, suitable actually to come to the school. Now, that goes back to another thing where we discussed ad nauseum that we were not a big fan of Tiger big game hunting. And then we, I mean by that is that we were, why are you still talking to Evan Neal and Trey Sanders? Those were two mm -hmm. kids all the way up to December. We're like, 
that's great. But if your plan A doesn't work out, you need to have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. Now it seems like these coaching staff at all, like the moment they hear that, oh, Alabama's in this recruitment, LSU, Georgia, even Miami now with the way they're recruiting, it's like we seem to sort of back off. So I feel that also it's with the staff overall as a whole is reluctant to go after these kids the moment they feel any sort of, I guess, outside interference when it comes to other schools. And that was one of my biggest issues with Norvell when he came in is that you can't treat this like a group of five program. When you're a group of five program like Memphis, when he took over after Justin Fuente, very, very, very good school, very good football team. You were able to tell these guys like, hey, we're going to be the best option you have moving forward. So it's either up for us to either take it or leave it. Now with these kids that you're going after with Florida State, they have 10 to 15, even 20 options overall. You have to be, you can't be scared to go over against the big boys and you're getting a big boy salary. These comes with big boy problems. And that's why you're getting paid seven figures. Talking to teenagers, it sucks. <laughs> they change their mind every 10 seconds. So to me, it just seems that the staff is, aside from Atkins and Papuchi to an extent, is a little bit scared to basically go big game hunting and actually go up against the big dogs right now. Yeah, it, it, but that's in the process, right? Like the, when I say standardized processes, it, it doesn't have to mean everyone makes their list the exact same, but it, it does mean you're expected to have this many kids on your board and you need to have good options, drop down options, you know, and then there needs to be a level of here's how often you need to be communicating with the rest of the staff about how realistic you think our chances of getting them are. And then we make decisions on if we should keep commit, uh, recruiting them or not. Uh, I, because like, dude, it's, it, it is a hard thing to balance. I, I mean, we talked about before we recorded, like, how do you balance like putting all your eggs in a basket you have no shot with versus giving up too early? I mean, there's probably an answer, but it's definitely a lot more of an art than a science. And um, to your point, they, they get paid to figure that out. Uh, that being said, you know, Mike, I don't know if I, well, I mean, the reality is he currently makes group of five money. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm going to, people are going to get mad at me for saying this. Like, we're not doing that much better than most group of five schools. So I almost don't know if I can hate on them for taking the mentality of like, let's not try to fight the Bamas and the Georgias of the world right now um, because we just don't have the resources to do it. And I think that as cliche as it sounds, and you know, if you win more games this year, some of these problems will start to take care of themselves. I think that, which is true. I, I, yeah. I don't think that's the only answer. I mean, we've got to get our collectives in order, Right. We got to get some facilities built. This conference thing may also uh, may also help us out. But you have to win games on the field because, yeah, I, I do think there is some validity to you're recruiting a kid and he starts showing like maybe not as much interest. And you say, look, he's not going to come to a school that's only won eight games in two years if we only win five or six this next year. So I don't know. But I think the big thing, though, alongside that, though, is that we're hearing these kids say that this is a school that I want to go to. Typically, when I hear that, you know, this school is a dream school for me, I'm like, okay, that's fair. But sometimes, you know, dreams change. I mean, I wanted to be an astronaut in space. Fun, folks, fun fact, I suck and I hate, I hate math. That's why I became an attorney. So, is there another when place you, to be an astronaut? Or? Uh, you know, listen, I want to be a baseball playing astronaut in space, Mark McGuire style, you know, hitting bombs over to the moon. But overall, like, when you hear these kids say that I watched FSU growing up or, you know, I was a fan of Jameis Winston or I'll watch you want to, you know, take these visits here. 
but then you hear the staff is not even speaking to them or actually have them on their board. That's what's more, I guess, puzzling and frustrating as a fan overall because there are some kids that we should have talked to that we never even picked up the phone with. I'm the big fan and a person belief that Dante Moore, the QB that just committed to Oregon, probably would have at least talked to us. That was the kid that everyone was freaking out about because Chris Parson was like, oh, Dante Moore's coming on campus? Oh, let me go talk to him, see what's up with that. And then we immediately stop recruiting him. And then now we see him going over to Oregon, which, I mean, Dillingham is a very good recruiter, but we've seen him coordinate a game. <laughs> and to me, like, I think it's a little more favorable to actually come over to us, but it just goes to show that I feel like these these the staff has no idea what they want it's like the scene notebook what do you want what do you want and quite frankly i don't think anybody has an idea what it is i couldn't agree more i think that that you hit the nail on the head the biggest issue with this staff in my opinion it sounds like in your opinion is they know what they don't want but they don't know what they do want and you know people say this about relationships they say this about job hunting it is really easy to figure out what you don't want to be it's really hard to figure out what you do want to be but and until you figure that out you can't find jobs you can't find relationships you can't succeed in your job if you don't know what your larger vision is because i i I think that a lot of what mike norvell does is that that makes him look good on paper um when people talk about oh he's a good ceo he's the ceo type not trying to throw this around but like Again, folks, my, my job is I work with CEOs and watch how they run their companies and figure out what they're doing wrong or what they could improve on and how to be more efficient. So, like, I can tell you all, Mike Norvell does not do what a CEO does. He, like, that is just a talking point, and it's an okay one, but CEOs don't just let entire business units be defective for two years on end. CEOs aren't hole pluggers. Like, I get the, I get the feeling that Mike Norvell plays fireman. He just kind of tries to put out fires, but when he does it, he like has a plan. It sounds good on paper, but I don't think he has a concrete vision of this is what I want my staff to look like. This is how I want it to operate. This is what I want my team on the field to look like. And then this is where that's going to take us. It just all feels like they're sort of, everyone's doing their own thing. It's very reactionary. Um, Again, it's organized a little bit better but I don't see a clear vision of what he's trying to accomplish. And until that happens, we're just going to be dealing with a staff who doesn't want to not get good recruits. That distinction is important and doesn't want to lose a lot of football games. And neither of those will get you to the promised land. Yeah. I mean, as much as we know, we rag on Willie on here. At least we knew he was trying to get top tier talent here. I mean, we were still like in the running for Savelle Smalls, a number one player in the country at linebacker. Now, who on the side? I mean, we got Lucas Simmons potentially committing, you know, within the next 24 hours. We have, I, what's the other kid's name? It's escaping me right now. Um, another kid. Hakeem uh, Williams, I think, is also someone that we should look at overall. But, like, other than that, if you don't win those, man, you are uh, you are stuck between, was it rock and a hard place? Like, you were in a bad yeah. spot overall when it comes to that. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, folks, on Monday, uh, first of all, thanks for being here. Make sure you subscribe. We love that you guys take the time to listen to us. We really do. So please subscribe to the channel. Um, And also 1 p.m., I believe, on CBS Sports HQ, Lucas Simmons, a four-star offensive tackle prospect, six foot seven, six foot eight, depending on where it's listed, 300, 300, 305 pounds out of Clearwater will be – will be committing. So we are in his top three or top five, whichever one it is. And that, that would be a big get. I mean, that would feel like we 
we swung the momentum a little bit. And also, Hakeem Williams is a five-star receiver who was spotted. He's, he's uncommitted currently. Was spotted at a camp wearing Florida State gloves and throw, you know, throwing them up. So that's that's not a bad sign either. Uh, real quick, I want to I want to thank our title sponsor real quick, LinkedIn. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, yeah, I think the thesis statement is um, there's a lot going on, but there needs to be more of a... There needs to be more of a organization-wide effort towards a common goal and less of this just like, eh, we're just trying to get good players. And, you know, because even Willie, like that was one of our big complaints about him. You're right, we were in on good players. But my issue with Willie is like he would go star chasing with players that like, it's not like, I mean, you you could always use five stars, but it was like you're spending so so much capital and burning so many calories chasing these kids that like, you could also fill that need with a four star right now because we're we're kind of deep in that position. Um, it, that you know we all knew he wasn't going to get. But I want to answer some questions. So we got two good questions from our mailbag that I want to touch on today because we we started with recruiting. So um, we'll probably pick up more mailbag questions later in the week just so we can get through them. And folks, if you want to leave one, throw it in the comments down below or you know DM us Twitter, all that good stuff. Question number one was about us going to the SEC. Last week, we talked about how it would be good. Money is always better than no money. However, um, there is a, uh, a floor that gets set when everyone in the conference makes the same amount of money. So we are still going to need booster funds. We are still going to need uh, to generate our own revenue through um, selling tickets and, and things like that. But the question was, are we okay with being an Arkansas-type team? If we get into, I'm paraphrasing, if, if we get into the SEC and that sort of becomes the new normal, how would we feel about that? Drake, I've, I've got my answer, I think, but I would, uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say to this. Um, me, personally, it's a no, um, mainly because that's something that I discussed last week where basically probably for the first few years we're probably going to be like more a little more of a punching bag until we get our finances in order. I mean – We've talked about this FOF for what the past 15 years, maybe probably as it was the past 10 years, and we're lacking severely behind when it comes to resources. When it comes to even the lower tier SEC teams like in Arkansas, like a Vanderbilt, like a, I guess Mizzou when they're recently in there, and then 10 years from now after we're basically get a foothold, it depends on how our fan base reacts. And I don't see us being any more than a middle tier team when it comes to basically there. So maybe at best we could be an old Miss of last year, winning 10 games. And that's it. That's if we're in the SC East, because the SC East to me is a lot more substantially weaker than the West, because the West does have Alabama, Texas A&M, 
Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. That's a very like murderer's row of teams. Um, I I get into this sport basically mainly because I want to win championships. And if you guys are okay with being in Arkansas, that's fine with y'all. If you guys want to win at most eight and nine games every single year. But quite frankly, to me, that's why I push more for the Big Ten because I feel that it's more easily attainable to for, for those championships to go that route. Yeah, succinctly put, no. Um, I have no interest in being an Arkansas-type program. I think that our standard should always be competing for conference championships, regardless of the conference. Will it take time to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. Will we need to change a few things to get there? 100%. Someone commented, I think it might have been Lotto, on on our video about this. And I'll just reiterate it again. It makes me feel better. Folks, you don't have to be a millionaire to give to the boosters. You just have to give 75 bucks a year. Um, everything helps. I mean, you know, we, we love this team. We all follow it. You're watching podcasts right now. Again, middle of the dog days of summer, you're here. And for what, five bucks a month-ish? Five fifty a month, you can support the team and, and help them get the money to do the things that we're talking about. Um, you know, it's it's crazy to me, right? That like there's people, there's fans, avid fans, that pay more than that for a subscription to a message board to talk about the team, and they won't give money to the actual team. So that's just kind of my my you know Max's monthly rant about join the boosters, but. Yeah, join the boosters, give money, because we will become an Arkansas-type team in the SEC if that doesn't change, like us just getting that influx. Um, but that kind of brings me to the second question where uh, I'm going to read this one in full because there was kind of a, a caveat to it. Did we think about recruiting implications for moving to the Big Ten versus SEC? Think it could make it easier for the Wisconsin and Iowas to get into the South with games closer to home and their families? I did not prompt that question he texted me that uh you guys have seen danny domino some of our gambling episodes um and i thought it was interesting because i think that that is the exact reason why the sec will take miami when i sit there and i think about what's the appeal of miami for the sec brand value it's okay but what you know um the tv market thing I, i think is wholly irrelevant I don't think the Miami TV market matters because it, for two reasons, right? One, because people are moving to streaming. They're cutting the cords more and more being just in a TV market, unless it's like expressly written into the deal. Not as big, not not that big a deal. Secondly, I would be really interested to see these numbers, but I would bet that Florida state has better viewership numbers in the Miami TV market than the Miami hurricanes. I don't, I just don't think you're getting like a, a huge share of the population of Miami by having the university of Miami hurricanes down there. But what I do think is I think the sec is going to look at it as Miami giving Ohio state, probably not Wisconsin, but the higher level of there, the maybe Wisconsin, the Penn States of the world, those teams that are already starting to recruit South Florida. Well, a stronger foothold down there and make it easier for them to recruit down there. So I think the sec will defensively take Miami as one of the ACC teams it brings over to avoid the Big Ten from doing exactly that and getting a foothold in South Florida from a recruiting perspective. Uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on that TV market thing, primarily because the two most important markets down here when it comes to sports are the Dolphins and the Hurricanes. 
and you do see a large viewership amount when it comes to Miami Dolphins. I don't know how they've been. They haven't won anything of consequence since the 70s when they were undefeated. Trust me, I hear about it every single week down here. And it's something that basically with the Hurricanes, like that's basically appointment viewing for a lot of people down here. And it's not only in the Miami area. It's probably also down toward it's in the Broward area, a little more towards the Central Florida area, too. That's basically where more you get to the um, uh, the Florida basically fan base. But I do agree that SC kind of wants that, too, basically, because you're right with the Big Ten coming down there. That kind of honestly appeals to them a little bit more because it's kind of the same academic status, if you will. So that kind of makes a lot of sense to me. So, so those were the main questions I, I kind of wanted to, to to get through today. Um, oh, I did want I did see one question. Although it was kind of more of a statement, but do you think that because with if we do join the Big Ten supposedly, there is one thing that I've always discussed about recruiting wise that you notice a lot of South Florida kids commit to these. Ohio State, Michigan's, or even Minnesota's, like those schools, in July. Then they visit in, like, November or they visit in October and they immediately cut the cord. Do you think that cold weather, like, how much of that actually plays an effect with some of these kids or should it play an effect on us? Because it's a lot different when you're playing uh, playing football when it's basically 30 degrees, 20 degrees out. I don't think so. I, I answered – I think I answered this I think you typing. answered that. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, in the game – in some games, yes. But but here's here's a couple a – couple couple points I'll make. Number one, I don't think you lose the Florida game. Hopefully. Well, they don't want to play us, so. Depends on what Miami does. Um, But either way, you'll play that one later in November, at least for the next, like, decade or so, right? You'll probably still try to play an out-of-conference cupcake before that game somewhere in November. So you're really only going to play two games and possibly a conference championship in November. I believe the conference championship. Where do they do they play in Indianapolis? Um, that's a good question. Let me look at that up while I continue your rant. My rant. Just just answering the question. Um, so yeah, you'll still get the Florida game in November. You'll get a cupcake game at home in November. Indianapolis. Yeah, the conference championship, which would be in December, would be in Indianapolis, which is a dome. It's an indoor stadium. It's actually a pretty nice stadium. So you're really only looking at one or two, maybe three weeks, like last week of October, first two weeks of November, where you could end up in a situation where it'd be cold enough to affect you. And over the span of the years, you'll have bye weeks in there. You'll have home games in there. I don't think it would be frequent enough to have a major impact now. To be fair, that Notre Dame game, you, me, Cam, and Dave were miserable. Right, right. We played Notre Dame on <laughs> no, the road like, in November. Yeah, no, that that does no, happen. No, That's no. what I'm saying. There will be some of those. Um, but in the aggregate, I don't think there'll be that many. However, it, it doesn't have to be like a, a, a long-term problem for it to be a one-time problem that has ramifications. What I mean by that, this is the final part of the answer, I promise, is what if you're 10-0 and 0 and you look like you could make a playoff spot that year and that's the year you have to play Ohio State at home November 15th or on the road November 15th and you lose a close one because, yeah, you, you can't play in the cold. Well, then all the times it didn't happen don't really matter and it is going to just be like, why are we in this stupid conference? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, better. well, that too. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a valid point to bring up. Do I think that it – should outweigh all of the positives of the Big Ten? No, no, absolutely not. However, I will say, um, I think most people that are just throwing clickbait around don't really know anything. Um, 
and are just trying to get you to click on stuff, but that's that's the name of the game. That being said, I do think right now the highest likelihood option is we end up in the SEC. Um, I think that the Big Ten is slowly becoming less of a uh, less of an option just because if the SEC is serious about moving, I think we're going to want to go as a package deal with Clemson. And I think that Clemson is much more interested in the SEC than they are in the Big Ten. And again, Drake, we don't have to get into contract law, but my understanding from talking to folks is we aren't going to get out of this grant of rights by ourselves. So we're going to need allies. And if our main ally is pushing for the SEC, like I said last week, man, I'm leaning Big Ten, but only by about 10%. So whatever gets us out of the ACC and lets us make money, I think that's where we need to go. I think Big Ten is a lot more is a lot better for the viability and future of this program. That being Agreed. said, uh, you're right. As basically, we need to find a lifeboat, and we can't if we don't leave at the first person jump ship, and that's most likely going to be Clemson. Then you kind of have to follow where they go. I don't know what the contract says. I know there's a lot of vague ambiguity stuff out there right now. I'm not going to give any legal advice, which I shouldn't do that. Any, I'm not doing that anyways. Period. But until I see the contract, I can't really give my opinion on that. So that's kind of my two cents with that. Yeah, and, and, and folks, just full disclosure, I mean, Drake is a is an attorney. Uh, Dave's an attorney. I am not. Uh, we have a group chat of like seven or eight of us guys who are best friends. Uh, five of them are attorneys, I believe. Yeah, it's eight of us total. Five are attorneys. So I can confidently tell you, without a doubt, my, both my parents are attorneys. When we talk about these contracts, you are getting the best possible analysis you can get we may not say it super legal easy because that doesn't do anyone any good we're trying to explain it in real terms but as you are getting better information <laughs> on this podcast about these contracts and unfortunately sometimes that answer is we don't know than any career journalist who is just trying to guess at what these contracts might say and that i can say with the utmost confidence i can also say that y'all need to check out bet online net they're a great source it's where the game starts all that good stuff and finally i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for stopping by today we love having y'all here we really do you coming here every day lets us do what we do and what we love doing every day so again just make sure you're subscribed hit us on twitter that's tally underscore underscore drake i'm at max moody 17 collectively we're at Knowles anonymous and this was locked on seven. Take care, everybody.